When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. It was tied in day. We talked with Kate Stover, Joe Royer, G. Scott, and Keenan Bailey, which I think for a room that's that deep, I guess that's the people who are going to matter this year. Kate Silver, the returning starter, and then Joe Royer and G. Scott being number two and number three, whichever order you want to put them in. Nathan, you have a story up on the site right now with a headline that's suggesting that Ohio State is going to try to take one of its best players off the field. And it's you're suggesting that it's probably for the best of the long term here. Why is that headline on our site? And what was said today that gave you made you come to that conclusion so from the time that Keenan Bailey took over as the tight ends coach I think he's had I mean obviously a number of things he wants to do but primary among those objectives was to raise the level of play below Kate Stover they want Kate Stover to get better too and he went into some detail about how they come up with a plan of things he wants him to get better I want to be a better route runner take another step there and they came up with this plan even before he had gone decided whether or not to come back from the NFL that was kind of part of the decision making process I think for Stover but can you develop and and again as you say the primary candidates Joe Royer and G Scott Jr can one of those guys take that next step at least one of those guys take that next step and become the second reliable like a like a, a sub first string but like the second reliable tight end that you could get on the field more in 2023 and it's important for two reasons the first one is because Ryan Day likes to play 12 personnel they didn't do that as much as they wanted to last year but the second thing I mean it goes back to the Georgia game when Kate Stover comes out of that game there was a vast chasm beneath him and part of it was because Royer had had such a, a strange year that he was not probably fully prepared for that moment G Scott was hurt Mitch Rossi was pushed a little bit beyond his talents to try to be an all-around tight end at that point. Uh, when Stover couldn't play, it hurt. 
and they want to play him less so they can play him more, if that makes sense. So that maybe you get to the end of a season, even before he had the the flip in the fall and everything against Georgia and couldn't play in that the rest of that game, he was pretty banged up at the end of last year. He was open about that. He was playing through some things. And the number that, and I went back and double-checked that he was correct, that Keenan Bailey threw out there was 58. 58 snaps per regular season game. If you include the Georgia game, it, it drops it down to like 54. But it's 58 snaps a week for at a very, very physical position. And more than that, I think it was 151 combined snaps between the Maryland and Michigan games. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of time for a guy to be out on the field doing the things a tight end has to do. I think it's not that he can't do it. But when you have to do it and you have to do it all season, I think they saw the wear and tear accumulate. If he had been able to play maybe fewer snaps early in the year, maybe he's better um, situated to play 151 snaps in those last two games. So that's kind of what that post was about, was that this is still, this has been the mission that Keenan Bailey has been on, the mission the tight end room has been on. And where do things stand right now as far as, Joe Royer and G. Scott taking that next step. And they're obviously speaking with some optimism about that. Uh, obviously, we only get to see a limited amount of things in the spring or the, in preseason camp. So the proof will be in the pudding at Indiana, or really the, the Papa John's is what they serve there. The proof will be in the pizza. But uh, I, I, I think there's reason for optimism that they will do that, that they will find a second person, and that there will be times when, even when they only have one tight end out on the field, Early in games, even Big Ten games, it may not be Cade Stover every single time. And that's he is one of the best players on this team, but I think they want to find ways to cycle him out, not consistently, occasionally, so that when you get late in the season, he's just a little bit fresher. How do we feel about Papa John's pizza? Like, is it your top five chain nope. chain no. restaurant pizza? Not top five? Well, you're saying chain restaurant pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, I think we all can agree that actual good pizza, especially from local places, is typically better than chain yeah. pizza. So just from a chain restaurant standpoint, what's your top threes? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Listen, I, I, have, I have great nostalgia for Pizza Hut. Like, the, mm, the, smell, the smell of a Pizza Hut is, is like one of the most like triggering smells from my youth. Yeah, um, I, I I put Pizza Hut pretty high, but I will also say, and I not to be the food snob, I've also reached a stage in my life where it's like I don't see enough separation a lot of times between a good frozen pizza and mm. chain pizza, so I'm probably just gonna always upgrade and get a good local place. That's fair, Andrew. If I'm ordering pizza, Andrew, you got a favorite chain? Um. Well, so or or frozen, it can be frozen pizza. I like that option that Nathan presented no, there. Yeah, yeah, not in on that. The <laughs> the number one for me is and pizza. I don't know if you guys have ever had that. Um, it's basically like the Chipotle of pizza. Like you get up there and you say what kind of okay. crust you want, and then um, they say what kind of sauce do you want, what kind of cheese do you want, and then what kind of toppings do you want, and they like make it in front of you like they do Chipotle. So that. I really like Ann Pizza. I know some like I've talked to people who like tell me that it's gross. Um, Domino's I don't mind in a pinch. Obviously, like yeah. I would prefer ten other local places. But like if we're talking chains, like I prefer Domino's to like Pizza Hut or Papa John's or like 
I don't know. Um, what other hungry Howie's? I don't know. Whatever other pizza places there are that are like chains. I don't. There aren't that many national chains anymore. Mm-mm, not really. I don't think there I are. Feel like yeah, it's I'm, dwindled. It's very much dwindled because I think the local pizza has taken over as it should be. Nathan, I'm with you. I love Pizza Hut from my well, it's childhood. So expensive. I love Jets. I like Pizza Hut. You should have went no, last Wednesday the when they had the. Like oh, everything try to get go get a local, like, go like go look at your local place and be and like yeah, try to get yeah. a medium pizza and it'll cost you like eighteen dollars. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like two meals. Though. Crazy. Yeah, it's like two that's, meals, that's, but that's, it's still like like if, as someone who is right. single and lives by themselves, like that's a like if the choice is between like go to it Chipotle should last you two days. And well, the, here's but that but that's the thing. If I if I can go to Chipotle and spend nine dollars, I'd rather do that. Or if I can go to Jersey Mike's and spend ten dollars, I'll do that than spend eighteen and have pizza twice in a row. What are you getting on your Chipotle burrito that it's only nine dollars? You get a uh, oh, chicken bowl and a bag of chips on my Chipotle. Uh, they they skimper, so I have to get the double chicken. So anyway, Kate Stover, <laughs> Kate, Kate Stover, Stover played is the seven- what? Kate Stover is the what pizza chain of Ohio State offensive players? It's probably something local because he's, he's on a farm. He said something really interesting today that we'll get into later on this pod. But to Nathan's point, Kate Stover played 709 snaps last season. That's ninth amongst offensive players, and a lot of those players ahead of them are the quarterback and the starting offensive line. In fact, the only skill position guys ahead of them were Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. with 754 and Emeka Ibuka with 710. And I'm pretty sure those two are ahead of him because he got hurt so early in the Georgia game. That's 505 more snaps than the entire rest of the returning tight end room. So to the point of they got to find ways to get him off the field. I they're, they're, That's proof in the pudding there. Now, as yeah. Nathan's already mentioned, it's Joe Royer being out for various reasons, both personal but also physical. G. Scott, maybe not quite ready yet, but also he's missing the Georgia game as well. So it very much became it's caged over and it's Mitch Rossi or your only options. That's probably not on the table for this year. And listen. Kate Silver has to play a lot. He is one of the best all-around football players on this team. He's the yeah. best tight end on this team. You should play the lion's share of the snaps at tight end. It's just not a good look in any room, and especially one where you have to play this physically on every snap and also have like downfield responsibilities on the snaps where you're not playing as physical. I, it just seems like it does seem like a big workload. I, I didn't go back and compare it. I should go back and compare it to what some other guys have played and to see if it really is that big of a disparity. But but Bailey was like spitting these words out. Like he like you could sense the distaste that he was like 58 snaps. Like we've got it. That's got to be smaller. And I think it's about just finding a series. Like, can you find a series earlier in the game? Like does Kate Stover can't, don't they need to sub him out as much as they need to sub out a starting running back? Like we know that they're going to find time to get Ryan Williams extra snaps. I mean, to get Mike Williams snaps in place of Trevin Henderson, right? So I think that's yeah. part of the, the thing because in 2019, I, I don't think they were as eager to find Master Teague snaps. They let J.K. Dobbins cook. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a quality second guy, I think you can buy that second, that first guy just a little bit of a break. And I think they need to find him a little bit of a break. The problem is, isn't you brought up the Maryland Michigan combination, which the way those games played out, it's understandable why he played that much. 
I think the bigger problems are the Arkansas State game playing 44 snaps, the Toledo game playing 53 snaps, the Michigan State game where that game was over by halftime. Again, he played 59 snaps. Those are the games where we're talking about, can Kay take the fourth series off because Joe Royer's ready to play or G. Scott's ready to play? You said this in the video because I'm attritioning it more to the attributing it more to the so they can do 12 personnel so they can do 13 personnel because ryan day loves to throw out of run sets he loves it that's where a lot of the explosive play action passes come from those you got two tight two two tight ends on the field and your best receivers going deep and it's a touchdown but nathan you brought up a point of it's not even just that it's just can Cade come off the field and you feel like there's not a drop-off in what you're able to do when you're in 11 personnel. So I would say Western Kentucky, Youngstown State games, Kate Stover probably shouldn't have to play more than 30 snaps in those games because instead you're giving the bulk of it to Joe Roy or G. Scott, maybe Sam Hart. I don't know. We, we're not really sure where he's at in his development because we haven't talked to him since he stepped on campus. But, Andrew, does that make a lot of sense? It's you need Cade Stover to play 70-plus snaps in playoff games and against Michigan and against top five opponents. But in these some of these games where it's over by halftime, you have to feel confident enough in your room that you don't need your starter playing more than 35 snaps to be able to feel comfortable with what's going on out there. Yes, but I guess the counter to that, I may, it's not a counter, but it's, it's, an, it's an addition to this. How many positions is that true for, though? Because that feels like that's true for a lot of positions, right? Like, like you know, whoever you're going to start a quarterback, you want them to play. But we've debated this ad nauseum for the last few weeks with running back. Like, you're going to do this with receiver if the game is, like, when, you, when it's 42 to nothing with four minutes left in the second quarter against Youngstown State, you're not going to be throwing go routes to Marv. Like, you're, you're going to take him out. You're probably going to take out some of your defensive linemen. Um, you know, you're probably going to take out Eichen. But, like, I... I I think that I, you're right to get to the point of your, the, to get to your question, the point of it, you're right. I, I think you, you can try to do that, especially, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, talking about running two more two tight end sets, running about more or talking about getting more tight ends involved, whether that be just kind of who they are, or just more on the field. Um, but I, I also think that that's just kind of generally true when you talk about the whole roster, because there are guys here where you're going to want to get off their feet. You're going to want to take them out of a lineup and say, you know what? You did, you did good kid. Thanks for your effort. Uh, we'll see you next week for Notre Dame. We'll see you next week for Penn state. We'll see you next week for whatever. Like I, you're going to want to do that throughout the course of the season. I, I, I think it's true for tight end, but I also think it's just kind of generally true for the rest of the roster. So, so here's the context. I just looked it up. Go back to 2021. You had a similar situation there, frankly, um, Luke Farrell had moved on to the NFL. Jeremy Rucker mm-hmm. was the clear number one in that room, and they were trying to bring Kate Stover along to maybe be the number two guy. That year, 13 games, Rucker averaged, I think, around 54 snaps a game. So not that far below. It's like almost the same number, but still less. They were able to get, they were able to get him off the field. Again, that's like one series maybe that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But here's the, the true, I think, comparison that I wonder could be in Keenan Bailey's head. How many snaps do you guys think Brock Bowers played per game last year? Brock Bowers, the all everything tight end from Georgia. Oh man, Brock Bowers. Um, so 50, 58 for fifty eight for Stover last year, fifty four for Jeremy Ruckert in twenty twenty one. I'm asking Brock Bowers, twenty twenty 
Nope, I'm sorry. I was looking at his 2021 numbers. He was also pretty good in 2021. Um, but his 2020, his 2020 new numbers actually jumped. In 2021, so I, I'm sorry, I, I spoiled it. So 2021, he actually only played 43.8 snaps per game. And mm-hmm. over, and that was a 15 game season. So last year, another 15 game season, he averaged 57 snaps a game. So I think that's maybe part of this is, all right, should, you know, they're asking Cade Stover. Last year, they asked him to play the same workload as Brock Bowers. Is that fair? And maybe it is. But Probably not. To, but also, yeah, I, was I think say, some, of, some, some of it is also what he's doing in those 58 snaps. Yeah. Brock Bowers is a lot more of a skill position player. And George is all, I mean, they're running jet sweeps with that dude for touchdowns. And they're using him. That's the closest thing to Travis Kelsey in college football right now. While Ohio State's probably using Cade Stover closer to what the 49ers do with their t- star tight end. And so 58 snaps of hitting, hitting, hitting. Plus, I mean, Nathan, we watched the games. That dude was getting flipped on his head with some of these catches out there. It, it, it's a lot more physical. Not saying the other one's finesse, but it's just Ohio State's tight ends are a little bit more physical, especially their best tight end than what they're going to have Brock Bowers do. So 58 snaps for Cade Stover probably has more wear and tear to the point that you get to the Georgia game and you get flipped on your head and now you're headed to the hospital because something happening with your back versus Brock Bowers. Because you remember, they also lost a tight end in that game. The guy who does Cade Stover's job for Georgia also left the, the peach bowl that day while Brock Bowers was good to go throughout the rest of the game. So also to bring in Andrew's point, do you feel that way about receivers? Yeah, but receivers are not playing the same physical brand of football that tight ends are playing. So if you kept Marvin Harrison jr. And Emeka Ibuka out there one more series every single week, unless something freak happens, you're not worried about the wear and tear on those guys the same way you are with inline tight ends, the way Cade Stover is. While also, he was basically the inline tight end while also being the wide tight end. And that's, I think, where they want to be able to get away from is not making him have to do two jobs, but also feeling like, okay, he can come off for this series because we need that series that he's going to have against Youngstown State. We don't need that that week. We're going to need that against Georgia or USC or Michigan. It, well, it also made it a little bit easier for Georgia because uh, not only did they have Brock Bowers, they had Darnell Washington. Um, so they had they had some dudes at tight end. Um, so they, their their usage of tight ends was was a little bit different than than Ohio State's. Nathan, Kate said something today on the lines of this. I had no idea what he's saying, and I'm going to ask you if you've ever ever heard this statement before in your life because he was being asked about his usage and you know, playing all these snaps and. Of course, players are going to say, I'm going to do whatever they want me to do. You know, this is my job. But he said, load the wagon and don't worry about the horse. And I've never heard that before in my life. And then he, he followed up with, because the horse is going to move no matter what. One, have you heard that statement ever in your life? You know, I grew up pretty rural and I do not know that. I was more, okay. I was more like an ag area than a livestock area though mm. i mean it was around but my my interactions i was like a bean walker and a uh detasseler and a hay baler and stuff mm. like that i was not really a uh, i was not doing the uh, animal husbandry the equestrian arts andrew have you ever heard that statement before in your life uh no but i googled it while you asked that question to nathan um i don't okay. know if it's from a song or if it is like or if it's just like a saying that like somebody turned into a song but the first result was from uh, Junior Sisk, 
uh and the album title or the song excuse me is called just load the wagon and then the chorus is don't you worry about the mule now you just load the wagon pile it on till you can see them old springs a sagging i ain't never seen a load we couldn't pull and i ain't bragging don't you worry about the mule now you just load the wagon so i don't know if he just took it from a song or if that's a saying that mr junior sisk turned into a song but that's a thing. Apparently, apparently this wasn't just like Cade Stover saying something. Apparently it was a thing. He has a lot of farmer euthanisms. The problem is, I don't know if he's the wagon or the horse. Because I, <laughs> I think, think he put the I cart before the, the horse or no. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, it's the, loading the wagon. Because yeah, the <laughs> loading the wagon is like how much of a workload can the horse handle? And when it's pulling it. So does that make him the horse or does it make him the wagon? And, and I think Keenan Bailey's the guy who's driving it, you know? Isn't I think that's where the analogy might break down because it's like no one's saying that you're not a great horse, but there's a point at which every horse the workload can become too much. Don't you want to give the horse like just enough yeah. of a workload that like you're getting the most work out of them without uh having to like put them down because they broke their leg or whatever? So that led us to when we were sitting back in the lobby having this conversation. This is what we talked about today, guys. We only got three tight ends, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about Kate Stover in this, and we're gonna use his analogy to talk about the tight ends here. If he's the horse, and he's also got this wagon, and last year clearly they loaded it too much because he couldn't make it to his destination. Oh, we're getting somewhere now. It's like a little town prairie or something like that. Do we feel like? Keenan Bailey has enough other horses with wagons that he can put stuff in. And the actually, I actually asked him that question. Do you think you have enough guys to do the things that you need to do with the with this offense for the way they like to use tight ends? And he went into how during the summer, Mick Marotti has this grading system where you can grade out as like gold. I think, And I think Dave's talked about this in the past, all the different criteria. He didn't say yeah. who, but he said he had four guys in his room. Who were gold? I, know who. I did find I out. I would who. assume. Oh, you, oh, you I did. Found out the who? Tell us about these. Okay, well, here's what we'll do. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. Nathan's going to tell us who else is going to be getting stuff in their wagon. Right back here on Buckeye Talk. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. We were texting out a lot of good information today when we talked to Kate Stover and G. Scott and Joe Royer and Keenan Bailey. Uh, I don't, but I don't think, David, I don't think you texted this part out. 
So this is kind of breaking some news here. Nathan, who, as Keenan Bailey was talking about, four guys in his group graded out as gold over the summer for how they performed in the summer. Who are those four? And are, is it important that those four all graded out gold? I, I did text it out, but I, te- I didn't text it out under Keenan Bailey. I texted it out under uh, a G. Scott text ah. that went out. I guess here's actually a better way to do this. Who do you guys think the four were? And I will confirm whether or not that was correct. It's actually three of them are easy, so, and one of them I bet you don't guess. Yeah, I would assume Kate Stover, G. Scott, and Joe Roy are probably graded out as gold because they probably need them to. I mean, if correct. you're bringing it up here, I would say that the fourth. I'm just going to say it. Jelani Thurman. And that's, that's probably wrong, but I'm saying it anyway because we're going to talk about him on the pod. So, Jelani. It, it was not Jelani Thurman, no. Yeah. And it's almost unfair to Andrew because it's I, the, the person is probably someone you're not familiar with yeah. yet, but it's Patrick Gerd, who's yeah. a, a walk-on uh, tight end. Hey, but all right. Has, has some uh, – is someone that I think could maybe be thought of in the in Mitch Rossi-esque capacity. Not saying a role, but capacity. Uh, in this coming year, but those were the four guys, and, and yeah, they they do these summer workouts. They they rank everybody in the summer workouts, and we make a big deal about the ones that get named Iron Buckeye because that's like it's like they're the different levels that you can attain to. Like gold is the best, and then Iron Buckeye is like the best gold from each of the position groups, more more or less. That's not it's not completely true because I think you can have multiple Iron Buckeyes from from one position group, but. That, that's sort of how it, it breaks down. You can have a few on offense, few on defense, whatever. So, yes, those are the four guys. And that's a big percentage of the room. And we don't, they don't release that. I wish they did. I don't know why they don't. I think they would, it would go a long way if they were to like, if they have like a demonstrable thing, it's not like, it's not really an opinion. It's like, and they've stopped putting out, I was talking to someone else. The today champions about this. Like list they too. putting out the, the champions list and stuff. Like they've, they've decided to be less transparent about, what they think of their own team, which again, I feel like then that's where we're supposed to step in and fill some void. But it was always useful information when you could see that, oh, the the entire offensive line graded out a champion uh, from this game where otherwise that came as a surprise or whatever because of how it played out or whatever. And you could ask Ryan Day the next game, like, why did all these guys grade out a champion? And he would tell you, or, hey, none of your offensive linemen graded out as a champion. Isn't that a big problem? So anyway, uh, I, I wish they would put out more information like this, though, because it tells you things about what's going on. You know, it tells you which assistant coaches are doing a good job sometimes. It tells you which group. It sometimes tells you also we think things from the outside relative to, like, how guys were ranked and recruiting and stuff like that. And position battles are going on lower in the depth chart. And these things matter. Like, these things are what sometimes decide. It's why Tommy Eichenberg is who he is today. It's why Cody Simon has continued to be a guy in this program the way he has, because he shows up in ways like this, and that helps him separate sometimes from these uber-talented guys that we think are supposed to be firing up the depth chart. So I, I think it is important that they are getting that. It's It, it reflects well on Keenan Bailey, and he was the one who brought it up today, so I assume he thinks it reflects well on him too. He, he would say it reflects well on the players, though. But I think it reflects well on Keenan Bailey that that you know that that is a room that it, in transition into a new coach, but it's guys are doing what they're supposed to do in that room, and I think it's important because as we've already sort of alluded to, like G. Scott and Joe Royer, one or the other or both, taking a step, completing their development, or 
maybe completing is not the right word, but taking that next step in their development is potentially really important. And even if it's not important, even if even if we're overblowing how much Kate Stover needs to take a series off, even if it doesn't turn out to be that important in that scenario, everyone who watched the Georgia game knows it's critically important if he ever can't play. So to have both of those guys show up, I think, was really important. Having guys who expect to have roles in big games like that. I asked Joe Royer about that. I asked him what his actual role was supposed to be in that Georgia game had things not going sideways. And he said he was in some goal line, three tight end packages. That was it. It was supposed to be a limited role. And it's because we've brought this up on this pod. Uh, Joe's mother, Mickey, passed away last year. And because of that, plus he was dealing, I think, with some hamstring and some groin stuff. Injuries plus that, he stepped away from football for a little bit. He went home. He said that. He was not in Columbus for a couple of weeks dealing with what he described as not a good year for him. It was probably one of the hardest years of his life. And I get that. I understand that. He was dealing with real life stuff. So because of that, he wasn't getting the reps that he probably would have gotten, whether in practice or in games even that they maybe would have hoped that he would get. Because like G. Scott, he came here as a receiver. He played ex-receiver at Cincinnati Elder High School. He just knew he was going to be playing tight end from the moment he got to Columbus while G. Scott had to take a year before he came to that conclusion. And so he missed out on that year, and then all of a sudden, Cage Stover gets flipped on his head, and he's headed to the locker room, and it's like, oh, I'm in the game because G. Scott is also not dressed today because he was unavailable. So he gets his first catch. He gets his first real sniff of most. He played 35 snaps last year, and I think most of that came in the the Georgia game. And he said he wasn't nervous, though. He said because he's been doing this his entire life, it you know, it was just another game to him. But he has used it as something that has helped motivate him and give him some momentum heading into this offseason to maybe be what they didn't have last year. And that's another option at tight end. And Nathan, Andrew, both of you – Ryan Day kind of said some similar things about G. Scott when he said that G. Scott's been his best self. As of late, Nathan, you were over there talking with G. Scott. What did he have to say about Day's comments? He agreed with him. He he thinks he's in that space right now. He he talked a lot. You know, he's a a guy who has come a long way in four years, having to move from the receiver room and then try to grow into a tight end. And, and you can use that word in so many ways. And mm-hmm. – I think what's important, the the way I phrased the question to him was, do you also have a better perspective on what being your best self means now? Because for those first couple of years, as you're making that transition from receiver to tight end, it's, you have so much that you're worried about. You've got to bulk up. You've got to get bigger. You've got to enhance yourself physically. You've got to then like learn all this blocking and get all of this, like it's such a complicated thing and it's such a hard thing to do physically to block the guys that they have to block that you know you're trying to block defensive ends you're trying to do that sort of thing and i think now it's maybe hard to it's easy i would say to lose perspective on so what am i as a player like what is the totality of me and i think he has a better perspective of it now he says he has a better perspective than it now because he shouldn't be the whole point, you know, and, and, and Ohio State has talked about this before, like it's it can be good to have, as long as you're getting a, a high baseline of play, it's good to have some different types of tight ends in that room. 
And that, you know, Joe Royer was the third tight end, really, in that three-man group on those those goal line situations after Stover and mm-hmm. Rossi. And But that's three different guys that you're able to put on the field in that scenario. And I think for Scott, you know, at some at one point early in your career, you're probably aiming for like this idealized version of what a tight end is and trying to get to that thing in all of those different categories. But now four years into this, three years into being a tight end, he's got, I think, a clear picture of who he is, what he is as a player and how to try to maximize his specific skill set out on the field. Um, it's, you know, he's a guy that, I mean, again, just based on what happened with him in the Michigan game and the headbutt incident, I think he had some things to prove in terms of on-field maturity, for sure. That probably spills off a little bit to your, your off-field maturity or your, your preparation, your maturity and preparation and how you handle yourself. And maybe that's unfair to take one incident and, and say that he had to answer across the board for that. Uh, in fact, I know, I know it is unfair. You can have a bad play. You can have a bad day. but from the way he's talked in the spring, the way he was talking today, he seems to be a guy who, who gets that. And I think now it's just a matter of there's clearly talent there. There's clearly athletic talent there. Is it, can he harness it the right way and get on the field and do something with it? So Andrew case over at 36 catches for 406 yards and five touchdowns last year. Clearly the most any tight end has had here in a while. I mean, getting above 20 is sometimes going to struggle with that room. It's been an ongoing conversation every year of how much the tight end usage, how much is the tight end going to be used in the passing game. We did a video on this, and I want to further that question a little bit than just how many catches is Cade Stover going to have. If Who impacts Cade Stover's raw stat production more? The clear rise on the floor of the rest of the tight end room with Joe Royer and G. Scott making a maybe carving out a little a bigger role than they had a year ago or a healthy running back room. What impacts Cade Stover's abilities to repeat what he did last year more in your opinion? I lean the tight end room. I lean kind of the rising tide there. Um, you know, just because, I mean, the, the, one of the first questions you asked me on today's pod was like, you know, do you basically rotate him out more? You know, do you, do you get him off of his feet mm-hmm. more? So I think that, yeah, I think that that's kind of where, where I would lean and say that, um, yeah, I, I think it's the tight end room because if the tight ends, if you can rotate enough tight ends, I, I think, and I, you know, I don't mean this to sound like disrespectful to Cade Silver, but I think they're interchangeable enough. Like if you're rotating the receivers more, right? Like you're taking Marv and you're taking Mecca off the field for Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers or Brandon Innes or whoever, like that is a really significant downgrade and a really significant change to the rest of the offense. But with tight end, I'm not sure that you're going from like, actually, I know you're not going from, hey, this guy might be a top five pick in the draft, or this guy might be a top 15 pick in the draft or whatever, to, okay, well, now you're a few years away from this guy being, you know, what what he's going to be eventually. Like, I think that the tight end room being healthy, the tight end room kind of just taking away reps. I, I don't even think it's a Cade Stover thing. I think it's a, you know, is this tight end room 
available because if they're all available, you can rotate those guys in and you're not necessarily going to feature them as part of the offense. So, and you know, Cade is not going to be featured as part of this offense, considering the talent, you know, we've talked about this before with the running backs that you've got, with the receivers that you've got, you know, Cade is not going to be the primary target. He's not going to have plays dialed up for him. Like, like some of these other guys on the offense do. So I think it's uh, I think it's a tight end room. Nathan, what about you? Which, which of you, which of those two factors plays a role more in what Cade Stover's statistical output might be this year? I don't think it's the tight end room. I, I think his statistics as a receiver are not important. And, and I mean that, I hope people understand what I mean by that. That it's not like, I, the, the, how productive this offense is this year is not based on getting a minimum amount of targets to Cade Stover. I think he needs to maximize the targets he gets, and he does a very good job of doing that, I would say. Like, I thought he was a very reliable guy last mm-hmm. year. Like, you don't see him dropping balls. You don't see him blowing routes. You, you For the most part, you saw him as a receiver make a, a big stride. And Keenan Bailey said, I think I mentioned this earlier, route running is still, like, a huge focus. So it's possible that he has, you know, taken that to another level and that there's more they can do with him this year. I just think that it's more about most of the time taking what the defense gives you with him. And if for whatever reason, the defense is giving you someone else, almost anyone else on the field on a given play, you're going to that dude, right? So I, 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 I think it's more just the rest of the offense than it is anything that is happening in the tight end room. Because I, as much as I think they need to get somebody else on the field a little bit more, how many targets a game is that really accounting for? Kate Stover could play one fewer series per game in the first half all season and put up basically the same stats. And that I, I, it doesn't affect the bottom line of this passing offense that much. And as I, I've also said, when we've talked about this before, it's a sort of a theory, but like, did Cade Stover's spike in production, was it affected by, for whatever reason, how little they threw to the running backs, and could that possibly shift back a little bit the other way in that balance this year? So they might load the wagon less or more or the same, but... According to Cade Stover, the horse is still going to move regardless of how much is in that wagon. Like I said, sign up for the text. Every so often, we put a lot in that wagon as well. 614-350-3315. I don't know. I'm just going to spend the weekend reading up on farm euthanisms because that's just going to be stuck in my head for a while because I'm still not sure whether he's the wagon or he's the horse. But I am sure that Keenan Bailey is the farmer loading the wagon and riding the horse. And I think that's his, that's what I've learned today. Along with the fact that the tight end group, they all curse probably more than any other group. We'll be back at the Woody on Thursday, talking with Larry Johnson and a defensive lineman. That should be a much larger group. I mean, you're talking JT, Tony Malowal, Jack Sawyer, hopefully Kenyatta Jackson will make his debut with the media as an Ohio State football player. Caden Curry, potentially talking with him. Um, Mike Hall, where him and Nathan could take a picture together and talk about their bus from last year. Ty Hamilton, uh, Talik Williams, Taiwan Malone making his debut as an Ohio State football player, talking to the media as well. So sign up for the text. All that information going to your phones first before we pot about it, do a video about it, or write a single post about it. 
And that will wrap things up for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis. I'm a very confused non-farmer named Stephen Means. And that was Buckeye Talk.